Oh, Timey Climbing! Wow, ah, 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 The way you guys were looking at me made me so anxious about that. Like, you're both just staring at me like, I'm judging. I'm judging you. <laughs> you should have done that in the shower. Yeah. We all would have climbed in the tub with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did practice that in the shower. So, uh, I'm Christy. I'm Amber. And we are welcoming special guest Beast. Hi, guys. For this spooky ween edition of Old Timey Crimey, where we're going to be talking about white ladies, but not the kind that we are. The yeah, kind like, I really <laughs> Different just, white ladies? Different white ladies. Different white ladies. Different two white ladies. Got yeah, it. yeah. The spooky kind. The spooky kind. But yeah, we really should find a, a different way to phrase that. That I, is how culturally it is I know. Said. And, and it's terrible. <laughs> it is. Like, that's the Wikipedia article about them is white ladies. Like, white ladies, like ghosts. Yes. Ah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a specific subset of ghosts. Yeah, so. not like the Wayan Brothers. Right, right, right. Yes, got it. So, um, just as a heads up on some podcast business, uh, we're going to be trying to do every other week uh, from here on until like pretty much the end of the year. But I have had a little setback, and I can't really so much walk or sit at all without pain. So it might even be fewer than that. Uh, We're really doing the best that we can, but it's been a struggle and of course this has to happen to me right when my neurosurgeon goes on vacation because that's how it works that's how it works that's how you do that good job neurosurgeon <laughs> yeah. beast is giving you snaps <laughs> so we are uh talking this week about the white ladies and um amber i believe you have a couple and then i'm gonna do one like because i have fewer because everything hurts <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna talk about the mean girls Let's start with <laughs> <laughs> Well, the white ladies, I think we should establish it's that general idea of a ghost, a woman in a white dress that is Or a white nightgown. Or a white nightgown, yes, that is culturally pervasive throughout pretty much the world, I think. Which is exactly what we're doing. So we're gonna go country by country and, and swap some stories about these white ladies. So I'm going to go ahead and start us off in good old Canada, America's hat, <laughs> the nicer of the bunch. <laughs> so this is Montmorency Falls. It's near Quebec City. It is said that there is a spirit of a young Canadian woman and her soon-to-be husband was killed while fighting against the British in the Battle of Beauport. I know words. I can say them. (laughs) The young couple used to meet near the top of the falls. It was like their spot, which is cute. Mm -hmm. So they were very much in love. They were going to get married. She she was very much looking forward to marrying her handsome French soldier. (laughs) Mm. Mm. So they were actually engaged, and he got called into action. This was back in the colonial war against the British, and he did not come back. He was killed in the battle at Montmorency Falls in 1759, and it wasn't for a while until the commanding officer actually came to visit his fiancée to let her know the news. Sad. Very sad. So she was just inconsolable. She lost the love of her life. 
She didn't know how to move on. So it was said that every night she would go to the falls and call for her fiancé to see if he would answer her. And convinced that he was never going to answer and he, he would never return. This is one year she did this. A whole year. And after she was finally like, okay, he's not coming back, she put on her wedding dress and she went to the spot that they used to meet and she threw herself over the falls. As she fell, her wedding veil came off of her head and it like blew in the wind. Almost like that scene from Natural Born Killers. <laughs> that's what I picture. I don't know if anyone else, probably that's not, where, but that's, that's where, where my head went. And it said that because because of this, there's like a mist that is often seen. Oh, right. It's a falls, right? Mm-hmm. But it looks like her veil blowing in the wind. Veil blowing. So her body was never found. But ever since that day, it's said by locals that they see her in her wedding gown in the mist. And she, like, shimmers. Aww. Which is very cute. Now, that is not the end of the story with that wedding veil. So not only is that seen, but they actually named another waterfall after it because they say that when it fell, it floated off and transformed into a smaller waterfall, creating yet another attraction. Is it, is it, is it called Bride of All Falls? I believe it is, yeah. Yes! <laughs> so, and to this day, there are still people that see the Lady in White of Montmorency Falls. Which is cute. It's very cute. It's amazing how long these stories can I mean, last. Like 1759? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, 1760, because she went a whole year just whole calling year. for him before <laughs> she threw herself in. Um, and now I'm going to go ahead and move us over to Estonia, which not many people know about. But for some reason, my oldest was obsessed with Estonia for a long, long time. <laughs> so uh, I had to. So we're going to go ahead to Estonia, the castle of Hatsalu. I don't know if that's how you say it, but that's how we're going to go with it. Because I don't know how to pronounce the double A sound. Is it ah-ah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're just going to go with Hatsalu. Uh, so the castle itself was founded in the 13th century. It was the new residence for... Bisoprik <laughs> of Oslowik. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go with that, too. That sounds good. I'm sure that my enunciation is on point. <laughs> so uh, they built this with a cathedral and a monastery, and then the entire construction of the castle took three centuries. Wow. We're talking about how long ghost stories last in America, and over in Estonia, just the construction of the castle took longer. <laughs> well, the legend actually went back to the early days of the castle. So back when Bisoprik of Ulsterwijk was reigning, I'm just gonna, I don't even think that's your accent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Estonia. I have failed you. So along with all the bishops, in the, the monastery lived lots of priests, and canons. And this this was the joke that I had told Christy because in Wikipedia, it's, it was telling the story about how a canon fell in love. 
And I'm like, I'm just going to pretend that it's just a real, like, weapon cannon because that <laughs> makes me so happy. <laughs> I'm going to write a children's book about how the cannon fell in love with the gunpowder. It's like a really good, like, graphic novel. Every time it sees its loved one, it goes, boom! boom. <laughs> it's a premature ejaculator. Yes, <laughs> terrible. So I was thinking of the thumping of its heart. You're a monster. I am a monster. <laughs> So, um, all these, these bishops and monks and holy people and, and the Bismarck of Oslowick, um had special rules. One of those rules is total chastity. So, the canon cannot fall in love with the gunpowder in this story. <laughs> but the canon, to clarify, is like a church, churchy type person. Nope, it's a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Amber gets her narrative and she sticks to it, goddammit. <laughs> Well, so they weren't, the, nobody was allowed to boink because they have to be pure. So nobody's allowed to put their, their dicks in any cannons or vice versa. Um, so actually, what, what is vice versa? You know what? No, I don't, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, we're just going to go with it. So uh, women were forbidden to enter this castle. They were not allowed at all because, of course, women are the problem. We're dirty. Right. right. It's always the woman's fault. They showed too much ankle. <laughs> Harlots. Harlots, all of them. So according to legend, mm-hmm. one of the cannons, <laughs> I can't do it without giggling. I just picture like this happy little cannonball. <laughs> he lived in the monastery and he fell in love with this Estonian maiden during one of his walks outside of the castle. So she loved the cannon back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Please, like. Sorry about that, Spike. I love it. I love it. Okay, so she loved the cannon back. And in order to be together, she decided that she was going to be a choir boy. And so she dressed up as a choir boy all the time. So that nobody would know her real identity, <laughs> which would be fatal with the cannon. <laughs> so it actually worked for a really long time. Nobody realized that she was a choir boy, probably until the priest tried to have his way. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as it was found out, the bishop went wild because this was not allowed. Women were not allowed in this building, and here's this woman in the building all the time pretending to be a choir boy. How dare she? She hath defiled us with her love of a cannon. Exactly. It is pretty kinky. So she had caught the bishop's attention while she was singing with the choir, dressed as a choir boy, and he suspected that something was up. Maybe she was singing soprano. Who knows? (laughs) I didn't castrate you. (laughs) But he was like, something is up with this, and eventually figured out that it was because the boy was a full-grown woman. As it happens. (laughs) Whatever. So, he decides that he is going to starve them both to death. He puts the cannon in a prison cell, but he especially loved women, as priests do, so he had her immured in the wall. 
Oh, we talked about Amirment a little while back. So he had her built into the wall of the chapel that was still under construction. And they left a very small cavity in the wall where she was left to die with nothing but a piece of bread and a mug of water. And then they sealed her inside. This is mean. And they gave her just a little bit of food and just a little bit of water so she could hang on even longer and suffer. So for days, they could hear her screams from inside the wall across the entire monastery. These are very, very pious people here. That they're like, no, this is what we do to chicks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love how like entering a building, horrible. Murdering people, eh. <laughs> well, as long as you do it properly. Yeah. As long as you put them in a wall. In yeah. a chapel. Right. Where, where That's God how can you see. kill people. That's yeah. The God, right God is watching. God is watching. And, and he did for several days until she finally did pass away and left it behind a very maybe angry spirit because she, she lost the love of her life in the process of losing her own life. And was bricked up in a wall. <laughs> so she does still occasionally appear to humans. Legend says that the night of full moon, the white lady can be seen in the window of the baptistry of the chapel where she died. Is the baptistry where they baptize people? Uh, I hope so. Is that where they immured her? Because that's lovely. You know, this is the place where we, like, I don't know how you would phrase it religiously, but consecrate people to God or whatever. That's fair. And we just have a dead woman in the walls. (laughs) Yes. And there's a party. Uh, Oh, a good party. A good party. So this is apparently pretty popular. And every August on the full moon, there is a festival called White Lady Day's Music Festival in Hapsalu to commemorate her death. I just want video of Beast's expressions through this whole thing. (laughs) Do you know how fucking pissed I would be if somebody bricked me up in a wall and then, like, what, 300 years later, they're like, I don't know, let's play some tunes. (laughs) I would be fucking furious. I would show up with a cannonball, like, romantic <laughs> Amber's cosplaying to a disturbing degree. That's the kind of spirit I'd be. Just wait till I die. I'm haunting all of you. <laughs> I'm just gonna show up with fucking props like Carrot Top before you got roided out. <laughs> Alright. Um, it's my turn. I have one from Russia. Oh, I can't wait to hear you say these words. It's... There's uh, <laughs> like a two trill. Like, I guess I like Russian, right? Like, oh, I can't do that. full, like, romantic trill. Like, no, you have to spit trill. on us, I'm pretty sure. Um, sound, angry. sound angry. Sound that angry. Well, um... Let's get you some vodka before you start. <laughs> not as angry as German sounds, but almost. Almost, yes. This is the tale of the Maidens of Yuli. So this comes to us from East Siberia. A place called Irkutsk Oblast. That sounds good. And it's a story about a young woman named Bulshoi Duhai. Something like that. 
There's like lot. There's so many U's. There's so many U's. Trust me, I know all do, about your Eastern us, European languages and how many vowels they use. Beast, you have to speak. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go all ahead, the vowels. Just continue. Okay. Uh, so she, her name actually means little song, and she fell deeply in love with a young man, but her parents weren't so in love with him. They thought he was too poor for their little girl. So they found a rich man and packed their daughter off to marry him. And he was not a good dude. He was mean to her, and rather than have her live in a white yurt, as is customary, apparently, he locked her up in a black yurt, which is, I guess, very disrespectful. <laughs> I don't know I why the color... I want to more about these yurts. I know. I, I, I don't have more for you. I'll look it up later. There you go. That's good. That's good. Let it, get back to us on that one. I want a polka dot yurt. <laughs> I'm going to make the best yurt. <laughs> we all should have yurts. Why don't we have yurts? I thought yurt was something you cooked in. I'm we not can even all fit yurts <laughs> in Christy's backyard. Oh, yes. We could have a whole backyard full of yurts. yurts. I love it. It'd be my back yurt. <laughs> <laughs> I'll forgive that one. <laughs> I know. I couldn't. It had to. It had to happen. So, so yeah, there are some versions of the story in which uh, Bozuhai is chained up as well as locked in. So not great. No, it's basically like a, a nice hut tent. Yeah, like a like yeah. a hut tent. Well, no, I'm familiar with a yurt. So she sang and sang in her yurt because that was pretty much all she could do, being all chained up. And the young women who passed by wanted to help her, but there was so little they could do. So what they did was they flew threw flowers down the chimney to try to brighten the darkness for her. Oh. Which is very sweet. And eventually she did manage to run away. And on her brief travels, she meets some people who are about to have a wedding. So she goes to their wedding. And for eight days and eight nights, she sang and danced. She wasn't so big on the gentleman who approached her. She kind of was, you know, she'd had it up to here with dudes. So she did, you know, she was the life of the party. She lit up the room. That is called arson. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Different than you do it. Yeah. <laughs> Different than you do it. And then, rather than be tracked down yet again, only to be locked away in the black yurt, she hanged herself in a barn. She was just so sad seeing all this happiness at the wedding, and she tried to take part in it, and then just felt that her life was never going to have that kind of happiness, I guess. Now, she died, but she didn't go away. She was a Zion now, Z-A-Y-A-N. It's the spirit of one who takes their own life and therefore, according to some beliefs, must wander the earth without rest. So she decided, you know what? I'm going to lean into this. I am a task-oriented person, and I'm going to find <laughs> me a task. And that task is going to be revenging, avenging myself against all men who are marrying. That's a Good ghost. Yeah, yeah. So she Kill summoned... Kill them all! That's, that's kind of the goal. She I love her. She summoned other Zions who had come to their end after the disappointment of being a, a young woman in the bad times. Xena Zion princess. <laughs> nice! Yes. And so the spirits of 350 maidens answered her call. She is now a dictator. She Jesus. really is. A oh, cult leader maybe too. And I'm impressed. <laughs> like a union. It 
could I be. Think it's yeah. a union of, I think it's a union. It's yeah. better than the PTA. <laughs> <laughs> so together, these women became the maidens of Yuli. And they had a special purpose to use their beauty to lure in men. And because their hopes of love had been so cruelly dashed, they specifically targeted men on their wedding day. So they would use their incredible beauty to lure these men in and then whisk them off to the underworld where they would never be seen again. That's what they get for trying to take their things out of their pants. Right? <laughs> or something. I'm sorry. I was too busy muting Discord and I completely spaced. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Amber, you have a couple more since you have twice as many as I do. Oh, yes, because I have no attention span. <laughs> okay, so uh, I wrote these a week ago, and I do not know what I'm going to say next, so I apologize, <laughs> lovely uh, listeners. So let's go to Ireland. We're going to go to Charles Fort, Ireland. There is a story of a young lady that died on her wedding night. Mm. So this is actually kind of an a really sad story, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This sucks. Um, right now, I'll cry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, where the hell am I? So I'm <laughs> going to tell you first about the war, apparently, because that's what I wrote here. So uh, towards the end of the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, and and you know all about queens. It's not the Queen of France, but close enough. <laughs> The Queen of England and Ireland, an Irish alliance, was at war with England. The alliance did not want England to rule Ireland. Oh, that's weird. Uh, Very (laughs) unexpected. So this was the Nine Years' War, lasting from 1593 into the early 17th century. I'm going to guess it was longer than nine years, if that's all it said for an end date. So, um... Even though the Irish did have help from the Spanish, the war was won by the English at the Battle of Kinsale in 1603. In 1607, a castle was built to continue to defend the harbor. It was named James Fort, after the new King James I of England and Ireland, formerly King James VI there yes. you go, of Scotland. I think he was actually both. He was he because he, he was at, he was at the same time the sixth King James of Scotland and the first King James of England. Yes. So they built this star-shaped fort on the other side of the harbor, named Charles Fort after King Charles II, the grandson of King James I. This is all really boring, but <laughs> it had it had walls that were six meters thick to resist cannon attacks. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, you and your cannon. <laughs> you and my cannons. Cannons. I know how you feel about cannons. I have a new fetish now. Cannons. <laughs> Those horny, horny cannons. For anybody who missed it. Everyone's, everyone wants to fuck a cannon. <laughs> I might. I might. Uh, they did find out that they could actually stretch an underwater chain from one fort to the other fort to break up enemy ships, which is kind of fun. That's kind of badass, yeah. I dig it. It's no cannon. But it's pretty cool. So, this legend, this is one of the coolest names of one of our our spirits, 
Wilfer Warrender. Wilfer Warrender. If you say it too fast, it sounds like Wilfer, Wilful Warrior. So Wilful, Wilful Warrender was the daughter of commander of Charles Fort, Governor Warrender. She fell madly in love to a gentleman by the name of Sir Trevor Ashurst. He was an officer and he fell in love with her right back. So they quickly got married, and the governor was happy. He had a happy little girl. She married somebody who did the same thing as him, so he probably had that, like, yay, good job, dude, with his new son-in-law. They had a very fancy wedding, and in the evening, the newlyweds went for a stroll. As they were walking around the fort... They're walking along the ramparts, and Willful saw some pretty flowers. Uh-oh. And Sir Trevor, wanting to please his new bride, says, I will climb down and pick them for you. So he starts to climb down, but a sentry on duty says, No, 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 you just got married. You don't need to climb down there. I'll climb down there. Sir Trevor says, But you're on duty. You can't leave your post. If you climb down, I'll sit on your post. Okay? So, Sentry goes down to get the flowers. Sir Trevor goes up to take over the post. Sir Trevor has a thing for posts. He does. He loves the post. He wants to sit on it. <laughs> and he, Sorry. he tells his new oh wife. God. I don't know. It's, how did this become so dirty? Because <laughs> it's, it's us. Um, he tells his new wife. Honey, this might take a minute. I see the sentry bending over down there, and I need a moment. (laughs) (laughs) And he sends his wife back to the honeymoon suite, and he says, I'll be along shortly. So she goes back to where they're staying. He stays at the top. The sentry's still picking flowers. Took a long fucking time for whatever reason. And Sir Trevor, leaning against the wall, exhausted from his wedding day, fell asleep, (laughs) leaning on his musket. Now, Willful's father, the governor, came by doing his nightly inspection. Governor Warrender was very, very strict. Very. Supremely strict. I don't think the word strict covers it. He had rules. So as he's walking along the ramparts doing his inspection, he notices a sentry leaning against a wall. So he called to the man who did not answer and then pissed off that he fell asleep on duty. He shot him straight through the heart. Damn. Dude, he shot his fucking kid. Well, his son-in-law. Right. After realizing that it was his own son-in-law, he threw himself off the battlement. Whoa. It's a bad day for Willful. Dude, that's his fucking day. So when Sir Trevor did not return to consummate some things, Willful went out looking. She had heard the gunshot, and she found her husband's body on the battlement. She looked over the side of the battlement, and she saw her father's body. She lost it, as you would, 
her, her dad and her husband, same day, just in a second, she's still in her wedding dress. She throws herself off the castle wall and into the waters below. So, since that like everybody's day, dead. Everybody's dead. How about the guy dead. who went down to get the flowers? He's probably dead, Nobody too. knows what the fuck He's happened to him. probably dead shit. They're all probably dead. It doesn't mention. So, maybe he had a heart attack while he was down everyone's there picking the flowers. Dead. We're just going to go with it. He died, too. Um... So it is said that she is still seen wandering around in her wedding dress, looking for sleeping sentries. Hmm. She wants to make sure that the same thing doesn't happen to them. Just gives me a little, a little <laughs> nudge, like wake up, buddy. Well, yeah, kind of actually. A little wake up, buddy. Right. So a lot of people have seen her, and they said that that she seems kind but very sad. One person said that he went out for a run near Charles Fort and his shoelace came untied. So he stopped to tie a shoe, as you do, and he put his hand on the wall of the fort and felt her hand interlock fingers with him. Ooh. There is also a local white lady hotel. And the manager says that he has seen Willful making toast in the kitchen on New Year's Eve. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're patrolling for sleeping sentries. Sometimes you get hungry. They need carbs to stay awake. Yeah, you're a little peckish. Everyone likes toast. So there's Mm -hmm. also a nursemaid who said that she has seen the white lady standing over the bed of a sleeping child. A, um, another person that said, standing over the bed of a sergeant's child, the, the child had seen her that time, uh, but she is not always nice. Uh, there are quite a few soldiers who served there that said, and it said mainly captains that she was not nice to, um, she would push them down the stairs. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) And some believe that they've even seen Fevener wander, wandering. It's hard to say. Don't try fast. It'll <laughs> fuck you up. So it's said that after killing his son-in-law and then his daughter's demise, that he is in despair as well. And they will see his ghost sobbing uncontrollably. Amber, you're doing a fantastic job at saying the word ghost. I know. I thought about that because I've been trying to just avoid it and say spirit. But uh, I've been practicing a little. You did good. You did good, kid. You did good. And then I'm going to tell you another country now. Let's move on to Malta. Malta. Because this is a short one. So the white lady of Malta lives in a Verdala palace. It's in the small forest of Busket, Rabat, Malta. There are comments there. Whatever. So, legend has it. <laughs> legend has it that the niece of Grand Master de Rohan was engaged to be married to a man she did not love. As happens. That was a thing. That, yeah. that, is, that was a thing, yeah. Maybe still a thing. We'll figure it out. But then her father also told her that as a married woman, she must do whatever her husband says oh fuck so with the wedding day right around the corner and right before the ceremony she goes you know fuck that (laughs) (laughs) 
And so she jumped off of her balcony in her <laughs> wedding dress. <laughs> oh my goodness. So she still haunts right to it. The Verdala Palace. And anyone who attends the August Moon Ball happens to see her. Uh, there's also a second Maltese legend, another one, the White Lady of Medina, that she was killed by her lover after being forced to marry another man. So it's really, it was lose-lose. Yeah, dude. It's Malta lose-lose. Malta apparently just makes you marry people you don't want to marry. <laughs> now, the White Lady of Medina, you can see her after 8 o'clock in the evening, but she usually appears to children less than 8, heartbroken teenage boys, and elderly gents. Hmm. She will tell the children good night and tell them to go home. She tells the teenagers to go find another. Oh. Or to join her and become part of her shadow. Jesus. Oh. She also tells the elderly men that if they're lonely, they can join her shadow. <laughs> So uh, she's just uh, out there, just trying to collect. But yeah, so those oh. are my uh, my Malta white ladies. Ambitious, that last one, ambitious. Lots of people jumping off of things. Well, it was lose-lose, though. So the first lady had to marry a, a man she did not love and then had to obey, because that's like part of the wedding. Fuck that. Mm. I would jump off a balcony, too. <laughs> the second lady was like, well, I'll do my duty and marry this person I don't love. And then the man she did love went and killed her anyway. So, like. <laughs> yeah. You can't win. Hey there, beloved listeners. If you're enjoying this episode, then you absolutely should check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash oldtimeycrimey, which is the absolute best way you can support the show and get something in return. For just $5 a month, you get five bonus episodes a month. On the Patreon, we frequently talk about old-timey crimes you won't hear about anywhere else. Crimes that have been forgotten by time and erased by history that you won't read about on Wikipedia, Murderpedia, or really anypedia. We also delve into the old newspapers, for the wacky wild crimes like the thieving lion tamer and the spaceman intruder. Or talk about strange, delightful customs like nutting day while learning about the time people rioted over cheese. <laughs> so come, we can't even talk about it in our own promo without giggling. I love nutting day. <laughs> nutting day is the best day. So come check out the Patreon for more of the weirdest wildest and most shocking old-timey crime. That's patreon.com slash oldtimeycrimey. Where's the link? <laughs> In the show notes! <laughs> I knew I was not going to get through Nutting Day without giggling. All right, uh, I actually, the, the rest of my stories are American, but because they were kind of close to home, I couldn't help myself. So I'm going to be telling you guys about a story that comes to us from Altoona, Pennsylvania. Woohoo! Right up the road from us. Our enemy. No, <laughs> that's where my cars come from, Altoona, and I love my cars. Fine. That's where my they, enemy. Your enemy, yes. I thought Fox's Pizza. That's also my enemy. And Pickles. I have a lot of enemies. But Beast does have a lot of enemies. So we're going to be talking about the white lady of Wapsy. <laughs> okay. This is uh, Wapsy Doodle. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually Wapsononic Mountain, which they call Wapsy Mountain. 
And because uh, it's too long otherwise. Really? Yeah, you you kind of have to nickname that. And this is from uh, the Altoona Mirror in 1973. The white lady of Wapsi wanders the misty wooded lookout area atop Wapsononic Mountain, seeking revenge. Neither man nor woman is safe as the ghost floats on the dark, mysterious mountain breezes, venting her wrath on unsuspecting individuals. We don't have a lot of specifics here as far as the story is concerned. It's just various legends that kind of come together. So legend has it that a white lady wanders the mountain, always gravitating back towards a part of the road known as Devil's Elbow. And looking at it on the map, justly. Uh, it's a richly deserved name. Okay. It's like when I was out in Culver Tight taking curve. Yeah, taking the cat to the vet and I was on Snake Road and I was like, they did well. Good name. They did very well naming this. So, and uh, so the sightings are said to be incredibly brief, just a flash of a second when you're driving down the road and you see a figure in a long, flowing white dress. There are reports that she's holding either a candle or a lantern. Or a cannon. Or a cannon, maybe, yeah. And when you get closer, she Boom. vanishes. <laughs> if she doesn't vanish, then as is tradition, you might get a chance to offer her a ride. And or die. She, she might take it. <laughs> she gets in your car. She's quiet. She smiles, but she seems sad. And she has no reflection. Once you arrive at Devil's Elbow, you will find yourself alone in the vehicle again. Ooh. Just don't try to take her cardigan to her, you know, mother's house the next day. <laughs> you know that old story from the, um, the urban legend books from our, like, teenagers? Oh, yeah, like the spooky stories to tell in the dark. Yes, 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 yes. That was it. That's the first place I encountered the, the legend of the... The, the hitchhiker. The hitchhiker, yeah. She gets a ride with a guy, and she's I really quiet. And she remember a cardigan. She leaves her cardigan or a sweater or something along those lines in his car. Okay. And so he goes back to the location the next day where he dropped it off and where he dropped her off. And then he goes to the door and so a woman answers and he says, oh, I, it must have been your daughter. I gave her a ride and I have her, you know, her sweater she left in my car. And the woman goes, she's been dead for 10 years. And so, <laughs> so that's the, the general story. Um. I just don't pick up hitchhikers. Saves me a lot of grief. I mean, I always feel bad because my brother used to hitchhike a lot. And just like, it was his way of getting around. And so I feel bad, but also um, I could get murdered. So Yeah. <laughs> There's that. So the incident in which this particular white lady was involved was that. said to be somewhere between 1891 and 1903. And in this case, she was a newlywed. And she and her husband were returning from their honeymoon. Uh, one claim is that she wanders the mountain searching for her baby. The baby was thrown from her carriage while she was traveling over the mountain, and it tipped over a devil's elbow. I mean, they didn't have car seats. We didn't have <laughs> gonna, car seats. We're going to go to devil's elbow. Let's like, do it. Tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. The, that's the fun part about this is we can go out there. Well, yeah, we're gonna go. I, well, and Altoona has like a Texas roadhouse, and I I would do dirty things for a blooming onion. Frankly, <laughs> I actually can't really I'm go anywhere because about of you. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, there are other claims that she was going over the mountain with her new I really husband. Want some fried onions now. <laughs> Their carriage crashed, and they plunged into the ravine. He was decapitated. 
She was knocked out. When she woke up, she found him laying next to her. Well, part of him. Part of him, yeah. <laughs> laying next to her headless. Um, or she was thrown some distance from him and went searching for him but died of exposure. <laughs> or accidentally kicked his head across Jeez. the field. <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> so, in these stories, what she's searching for with her lantern <laughs> is her husband's head. <laughs> so I Wait, have... what is in the box? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's wandering around with her lantern. What's in the box? What's in the box? I, no, she's looking for the box. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. like, where is, is the, the box? box? <laughs> so let's make a, a life-size replica of Gwyneth Paltrow's head. No! <laughs> and take it to Devil's Elbow. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm for it. Okay, there are other stories um, where she's part of a couple that went to Wapsie Mountain specifically to go to the lookout, which is kind of a lover's leap. Not Lane. Oh. Yes. Uh, I love you so much. Let's die together. Exactly. Yeah. And many attribute um, the suicide to the death of a baby. They say that she lost her child and that's why she jumped. Uh, so that element keeps on popping up, the, the, the child in there. Uh, the Tuna Mirror in 1973 had that whole thing about she's searching for revenge. None of the stories I came upon about her had anything to do with revenge. I did dig into the details a little bit to, to try and get a closer look at what's happening here. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if the reason that the date range stops at 1903, as far as like when she died, is because that's when the Wapsanonic hotel which was like a full-on resort with cottages it had its own narrow gauge railroad a carousel well it burned to the ground like everything and it would make sense for the story to start with newlyweds at a popular local resort and you know taking the road over wapsonic mountain wapsy mountain oh. there was no reason to go over wapsy mountain after that really <laughs> and so i'm not sure where they got the starting date from because the resort was built in the 1840s, but there were major improvements made to it at some point in its life. So that could have been like maybe 1891 was the grand reopening or something. I don't know. I'm speculating there, but. Rampant speculation. Oh. <laughs> Historian Jared Frederick did some digging and found that from the many Tragic tales of death on that dangerous curve. The most intriguing was from 1926. Margaret Gray and Chester Troutman were going over the mountain, running some moonshine from Cambria County, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> boy. We still do it like that. <laughs> right? That's how we party. Cambria County style. Yeah. Mm. Is, that, is that a C? <laughs> yeah, that's All a right. C. <laughs> so their car right as they got to Devil's Elbow, went over the edge of the road. Now, Margaret Gray sustained... That's some a good moonshine. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, they might have been. They might have been drunk. We don't know. Um, Margaret Gray sustained a head injury and died in the hospital the next morning. Chester Troutman survived. Now, the thing was, this was a little bit awkward because of the fact that she had a husband and five children at home. She probably shouldn't be out running moonshine with another dude. I mean, do what you like, but it was just, it was a little bit of a surprise to her family. People do. Was it though? Maybe she was like People the breadwinner. 
And the husband just didn't want to say that to the press. Maybe. Maybe maybe he's like, oh, gosh, I'm just so disappointed in her. I have no idea. I'm shocked. And meanwhile, I thought she was at sewing club. <laughs> Here I have been working my knuckles to the bone all this time. My wife has been running moonshine. <laughs> so, yes. Um, she had told them that she was going to Galitzin to visit a friend. At midnight. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, there's... Likely story. You do, you do. You do, yeah. Do you? <laughs> you do. With you kids? Do. You do. You don't. <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Ouch. Chester Troutman was... <laughs> I literally can't go anywhere at all, so... <laughs> the idea of me going to Galitzin at midnight to visit a friend is just so completely ridiculous. You were just really in the mood to do the foxtrot, we know. <laughs> yeah, right. The walker, just an act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Chester Troutman was tried for manslaughter. His, his story kept changing as to who was actually driving and all that stuff. But he was acquitted. My favorite little random tidbit is sources that claim that just the white lady in general, not just uh, Margaret Gray, but the white lady in general is Irish. Like, how can you tell a ghost is Irish? Exactly what? Red hair. Like, we don't have, I guess so. I guess so, because we don't have any other indications. Jackson's. I really wish that everyone could have seen the look that Amber <laughs> produced before she said red hair. Yeah. It was fantastic. And so, uh, fucking temper. <laughs> there's another, another nearby mountain has a white lady, the white lady of the buckhorn. Oh, and sexy. The two legends, <laughs> sexy as a cannon. <laughs> that is hot as a cannon. <laughs> and the two legends have quite a bit of overlap. <laughs> Uh, local artist Joe Cervello does paintings of the white lady, and I have one here to show you. On I was going to say, I know that name. Oh, oh, oh. There we go. Lovely painting of a, a woman in a ethereal white dress with holding flowers. And that she, dress is ethereal. It's quite yeah. ethereal. And yes. that is not our Irish lady. That's No, she's blonde as blonde can be. I mean, but she's a ghost. She's a ghost, no. and she's she's wandering through the forest, and it's it's quite beautiful. I would put that up on my well, walls. Th that is quite beautiful, but I I'm thinking that the the Irish wopsy, <laughs> Jesus, <is> probably <laughs> sweet Jesus. <laughs> now we're canceled, Amber. Thanks. <clears throat> anyway, I'm thinking that she's got red hair, freckles, maybe a billy club. <laughs> so, um. She sees you with By the beard. Way, and she just punches for you. For everyone face. who doesn't know, that's what Amber looks like. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah. There was a tavern out there called the White Lady Tavern, but I regret. I want a tavern that's the Irish Wapsie. <laughs> well, the White Lady is closed, so you could go and buy the White Lady and make it the Irish Wapsie. Wait, we cannot buy a White Lady. <laughs> <laughs> is there a rule against that or something? I mean, I just think it's in poor taste. Yeah, it kind of is. It's a little gauche, just a little. <laughs> I mean, but if we could. Oh, God. I'll try anything oh, twice. Oh, my God. So, there is a lot of haunted type stuff in that general area. Uh, the Baker Mansion wedding dress is especially pertinent here. As the stories go, that Anna Baker was going to marry her true love but her father forbade it. So she threw herself off the balcony. Actually, she just 
never married at all and packed the dress away and just lived the rest of her life. But their website, Pennsylvania Mountains of Attraction, tells another story about it that actually Anna Baker had nothing to do with it. It was worn by the daughter of a Blair County ironmaster in 1830. And there was lots of disturbing activity around the dress. Like it's the case, the glass case they kept it in, shaking so violently that they were afraid that it would break and hurt the dress. That's horrifying. I want to wear it. It's no longer on display, actually, because they said they couldn't keep it in display cases. Well, they say that the exposure to, you know, light and everything was damaging it, but I think it's just, Mm -hmm. it's it's a cover-up. They were not willing to buy any more display cases. Yeah. Yeah. So, so listen, I'm going to need that dress. (laughs) I'm going to need a purse filled with fireworks. And a cannon. And a cannon. And let's go fuck some shit up. (laughs) And then we can blame the dress. There we go. Just the dress. Absolutely. It's a win-win. Or everyone will just think that I'm the Irish Wapsy and you guys say <laughs> I was here the whole time. There also is out in Altoona that way. Jackson and I went um, last year, I think, to the Halloween Museum, which is a, a beautiful old house that is just filled to the brim with Halloween stuff. It is absolutely crazy. I love it. It was so fun. And so I recommend that to anybody who's in the area. You do need to call and make reservations, though, at least last I checked. So you'd want to find their website. But, yeah, just Halloween Museum, Altoona, Pennsylvania. I will happily do that when my kids are house trained. Absolutely. You should. <laughs> it's so fun. It's really crazy seeing, like, the old costumes that they used to have in, like, the 50s. Like, just made of, like, crepe paper. <laughs> yeah, crepe yeah. paper and toddlers. Good, good combo. So that's my Altoona <laughs> stuff. So, Amber, I think you have a couple more. I do. So let's go to the Philippines. Okay. Gonna take you on a trip in my uh, my lovely rocket ship. So in the Philippines, <laughs> the white ladies are uh, known as Caparosa. 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 We're gonna Caparosa. go with Caparosa. That sounds nice. And uh, they, these are actually really popular in the Philippines, these little stories. There's several of them. I'm going to tell you the most horrifying one because that's how I do things here. So I'm going to skip over the nice story and go straight to the ugly one. Sure. That's a good idea. Yeah. So New Can Manila Just has... Just blow a, your cannon, Amber. I will. <laughs> I'm going to blow my cannon all over the place. <laughs> so New Manila has an abundance of balete trees. Which start taking pictures with these face. <laughs> according to legend, is a time-honored favorite resting spot for spirits. So these trees somehow beacon the dead, and they're like, "Cool, this is where I live now." So there's a lot of these spooky things, including evil paranormal pets. Oh, that live in the haunted trees. And they roost and wait for their next victim to come near. I want the paranormal pet that lives in the tree so bad. <laughs> I know what I'm getting beast for Christmas. Oh, please, Chrissy. Can you please get me a paranormal pet that lives in my tree? She needs a baletti tree. Yeah, so we'll have to plant one for you. I don't know what all is entailed with this, but apparently they beacon evil pets. That can probably don't live. They are a beacon too. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Interesting, but extra I think, words. I really I think, think. I, th- I still think it's beacon. But I think we should use beacon as a verb. <laughs> I will do what I want. <laughs> I like it. Oh, and we can plant the paranormal pet tree in my backyard. 
In your backyard? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> right outside my yard. I'm going to have a paranormal tree full of paranormal pets. It's going to be amazing. Evil ones, in <laughs> fact. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Waiting for their next victim. Yes. They all have purses full of fireworks. <laughs> so, anyhow, uh, they believe that the Filipino white lady was a poor woman who was, oh, this is really hilarious, brutally raped by Japanese soldiers during this the Second World funny. War. This is very funny. This is the funniest thing huh? I've ever heard. <laughs> yes. So, uh, <laughs> they didn't bury the body properly. Instead, they threw it on the side of the road, and it stayed there for many years, only to be carried away by birds, rats, and maybe evil paranormal pets. Who knows? Sure. Why not? Yeah. So, some of her hair and bones are perhaps still perched high in the branches of these trees. Pretty good owl nest. Or in a rat hole, or wherever. So... This is a take told by the locals and uh, is a lot. They're very descriptive. So they say that uh, her skull or her face was cut away by a machete or a bayonet blade and was taken as a souvenir by one of the soldiers. So many people believe that she is still searching for that man or his kin to get her revenge and yeah, that they mock her existence. So they <laughs> advise motorists. They actually tell people to avoid that street at any cost if it is dark outside, especially if you are alone. If it is necessary to travel that way, the back seat of your car must be, must be completely occupied. And no one should look backwards or look in their mirrors. If you are in a cab, there are like fucking rules for this shit. Wow. You will see the drivers panic if they have to go on that street. If you see her... She will mark you for the next violent death. Ooh, yikes. Only by saying the Holy Rosary and fasting for the next three days after you see her will you have a chance at surviving. This one I feel like I'm actually going to remember these rules for. I'm actually scared by this one. <laughs> like, no, I'm actually... Like, <laughs> This feels legit. Well, and those that have seen her and live to tell the tale say that she wears a long, blood-stained nightgown. It is tattered and ripped. She has long, disheveled hair, but you cannot distinguish her facial features. Just that her face is dripping with blood. If you are on foot, you are an idiot. I feel that that says something right there. If you were on the street at night on foot and she touches you, you will die immediately. If she chases you, that is a sign that you need to change your lifestyle immediately and live a better life. 
She is giving you a warning that you still have a chance. If she touches you, you just did. This ghost makes a lot of sense to me. I'm telling you, this one's real. <laughs> Beast is into it. Yeah, there are actually a lot of young men and women, apparently, that have seen her, but will not speak of it. So they'll be like, yes, I've seen her. And then that's it. They will not answer yeah. any questions. Why would you? Because if they do, oh. sudden doom or very, very bad luck. So we've seen her. She did not kill us. We live to tell the tale and you will know nothing about this. Hmm. Because I choose to live another day as a better person than I was when I was on that street. I'm going to stop being a douche. There are other modern takes on this, though, that say that she was actually raped and killed by a taxi driver. And that's why most of the taxis refuse to go on Belette Drive. They basically pretend that that road is not there if they can. And again, this tale has the same thing. If you end up driving on that road, the back seat must be fully occupied with people and no pets. This was the rule for this one. Do not take your pets in the back seat. Must be fully occupied by people. And also don't look back and don't look in the mirrors. Now, many people also believe that there are lots of witches in this area, commonly referred to as asswangs. <laughs> I know that that's not how you say it. That's how it's spelled, and I'm going with it because it's hilarious. <laughs> so these are evil witches that prey upon lost pets. And the homeless or stray tourists, they might stop by because that's close enough to a pet. And that's where some of the evil pets come from. And they make the evil pets hungry for blood and souls to steal. So maybe you don't want one of those trees. I'm just saying. I'm never just here. saying. <laughs> I like to look at a story like this and sometimes try to figure out if there's some sort of cultural reason or hidden motivation that might have like been part of it, why it started. And my personal story for this one is that somebody who lived on this road was both tired of having so much traffic on the road and also um, uh, wanted people to pray more. <laughs> so you might actually have something there. So I'm going to tell you the third version of events. Oh, okay. And this is the nicest one, which I obviously did not want to lead with. So one evening, 72 years ago, there was an accident that resulted in the death of a teenager. She was rushed to the hospital. She died the next day. And this was on the same road. So a week after, there were newspaper reports saying that they saw the young lady dressed in white hailing cabs on Belletti Drive. And then she would sit in the back seat and mysteriously disappear, similar to your story. So a lot of people believe this, including the captain of the police force there. He was actually suspended for cowardice for refusing to patrol that street, right? So they, these people really believe this. And so... It's fucking real. <laughs> well, Could be fucking real. Maybe not, because it turns out in the 1950s, there was apparently a reporter that said 
it was manufactured by the paper itself to drive a story. And so many people believed it and kept believing it, and it kept changing and getting worse and worse and worse. There you go. To the point that nobody wants to be on the street. And so maybe it's complete and total bullshit. But the newspaper wanted to sell papers. And, and the editor lived on that street and was tired of having so much traffic. I'm going to make friends with the editor of the newspaper. <laughs> and I'm going to tell them that the block in front of my house is horrifically haunted. You and have to be super convincing, lots of details, and somebody should probably just die there just to prove a point. Or okay. have well, one of us dress someone. up as a bloody ghost. And go wandering around your road. Yeah. Just scare All right, the crap so out of people. So let's go Goodwill. I'm sure they have wedding gowns. <laughs> I'm really pale already. I glow in the dark. You're already a white lady. <laughs> Pretty much. Do I get to hit people? As long as I get... I'll, I'll put on a wedding dress and hit people in the middle of the night. Like, I'm in. Okay, sure. <laughs> I'll even shave my armpits. Yeah, we'll just tell them. I don't know. That was a fucking ghost, dude. Shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, I don't even. We're need afraid of the ghost too. Maybe Stop we'll asking white... me about the ghost. I don't know where the ghost came from. Ooh. I obviously don't want the ghost here. I'll get the white contacts. It'll sell it. There you go. I only have one more. Um, go ahead, and then I'll close it out with my uh, my special story here. All right, I'm going to take you to Guam, where I accidentally stumbled upon one because I don't know how to fucking type. <laughs> so we're going to tell you about the white lady of Fonte Point. Mm. So long ago, people in the upper Mong Mong village, mm. I love it, they would walk to church early in the morning. And this is when they would often witness a lady in white with a long flowing gown and long silvery hair and a very sad face. So everyone, of course, was terrified because she looked so threatening. And uh, the adults would pray and the children would run away. And she would hang out for like 30 seconds and then pop up somewhere else on the island of Guam. So this legend actually dates back to the late 1600s. How far back it goes. And that's when a dashing Spanish officer courted the beautiful daughter of a prominent family there. The family was very happy for their daughter and very proud, and they gave their blessing to the marriage. So after the couple came back from their honeymoon, they settled in the village of Mania. In the beginning, everything was very, very good. And then the Spaniard turned out to be a cocksucker. So he expected his wife to wait on him hand and foot. He became very demanding and abusive to her. There was a river near their home where the water was fresh. So he would order his wife to fetch him fresh water from the river every day. And she would oblige because she found it to be a relief to get the fuck away from her (laughs) dickhead husband. So this was like her happy time Her quiet place. Like, she loved this ritual, actually. She would take her time and stop and smell the flowers. and This is Amber grocery shopping. It it is. It (laughs) it really fucking is. Um, And appreciate the, the bamboo trees around the river. This was, like, her favorite time. Even if it was nighttime, if it was a full moon, it was still very beautiful and very peaceful. And she loved it. So one day... 
she lost track of time, and it took her longer than expected to get back home to her husband. Him, being the bag of dicks that he is, <laughs> wanted to punish her. So, the next night, it's dark and stormy. He commands her to go get him water again. And, and this is Guam. Like, this is like, imagine like hurricane weather is what we're, we're talking about when we say it's dark and stormy. It was a dark and stormy night. But it's also like a fucking hurricane. So the wind is blowing <laughs> really hard. It's raining heavily. You can't see shit. It's the middle of the night. And so the woman had a hard time finding the river. It's, it's really easy to get disoriented when you can't see anything and, and you're getting beat to shit by wind and rain. So she didn't even realize that she was getting close to the river until she accidentally walked into it. And during a hurricane, there's a river. We live in a flood country, USA. She gets sucked into the river. She screamed, but it's the middle of a hurricane. Nobody hears her. And... She just got swept away. The husband, pissed off that wifey did not come back, took off to go look for her. He sent other villagers to look for her, too. And it wasn't until the afterstorm, where there's still flooding river waters, that they realized what must have happened. They never did find her body, but the Spaniard actually grieved for his wife, which that shocked the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was surprised. But he, he was very remorseful about the whole thing. He blamed himself, and he actually died not long after because karma is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so after all of this, a lady in white started to appear with her long flowing gown and her long silvery hair and her sad eyes still seen today. It's said that she's often seen at dusk, and then she disappears when the moon rises over the bridge in Mania, where the Fonte River is located. Many people avoid passing the bridge at night, just in case. So that is her? my story, and apparently, if you do encounter her, you are to say a prayer for her. She is a reminder to us that no sort of abuse should be tolerated. I like that, but also a lot of these ghost stories are trying to get people to pray more. <laughs> that just what it feels like to me. <laughs> so, all right. This is our final white lady tale. It's a little bit of a different one. Um, this is for my dad. Hey, dad. He's the one who told me this story. And then as soon as he told me, I was like, let's find out the truth. <laughs> let's find out what's behind this story. And so I did some digging and found some reports on it. So... Uh, this is at Lakeview Cemetery in Jamestown, New York, which is not too far from where I grew up. It's actually like the closest city to my hometown. Just for those of you that did not know, there are uh, the rabbit fingers around city. Yeah, yeah, there are, there are. Um, well, Jamestown's more of a city than my hometown is. So. That's true. <laughs> so she is behind glass, a statue wearing a white lace dress. Locals call her the lady in the glass or just the lady. And, of course, there are plenty of stories about how she met her end. Because her statue is wearing a white lace dress, the tales tend to revolve around a tragic dress, or death, tragic death, 
just before. Hey, we just talked about a tragic dress. This is kind of it a tragic can, dress. It can too. be a thing. <laughs> yeah, just before she was supposed to marry her true love. So uh, a few years ago, Sean Kirst with the Buffalo News talked to some local high school students to get some versions of the Lady in the Glasses tale and find out what they had heard. And these were their tales. They had heard she was killed by a bee sting on the way to her wedding. Drowned in a boating accident in Chautauqua Lake just before the wedding. Uh, it was in a carriage accident on her way to the wedding. And that you can even see blood spots on the dress her statue wears. Or uh, starting around the 50s, we start to hear like tales where it morphs from wedding to prom. As that became more incorporated into American culture. Or maybe she didn't die of anything physical, but of a broken heart when the man she loved left her at the altar. So it's all about boys. There are a lot. The stories are pretty could much all about, about a girl. Yeah, so could have been a girl. No, it's all about boys. Now, maybe she had to marry a, a boy, and that's why. <laughs> this is not what this story I'll just tell you guys the story. But first, I need to tell you a couple more versions, because oh, it does oh. veer into the supernatural, where sometimes there are tales of. Supernatural um, boys coming up. <laughs> coming from, hanging from a tree. Or Aaron, no, pets. A supernatural evil boy tree. <laughs> it's going to happen. So, but no, her, her, the tale goes that she was jilted and then her heart turned to stone and then so did the rest of her. No, that's not true as somebody with a stone heart. <laughs> and her father put her stone corpse behind glass to protect her and maybe as a warning to anyone who might trifle with a young lady's affections or maybe... Maybe behind the glass, under that dress, is her real dead body with a thin layer of marble coating for preservation. That seems insane. Well, and then the dad put it in glass so people stop touching her boobies. Yeah. No. Because <laughs> you know that would happen. There are statues where that part of the statue is worn off. Yes. <laughs> yes. I am one of those people. Um, then the story then leans even harder into the supernatural Kids in the area hear spooky stories from their older siblings about how the lady in the glass sometimes ventures outside the glass and wanders Jamestown at night. People have seen the glass case mysteriously empty. And uh, they say that's how you know the lady is out and about. So beware. Now all the stories... Right, she can't be in two places at once. I mean, that would Sorry, go ahead. be too much to My believe. Bad. We can definitely believe that a statue could I leave mean, a glass case. An, I, I made an obvious statement, and I <laughs> no, regret I just, having said it. I no. just love this, though. Like, I was I'm this kid. Dick. No, I was this kid. Like, I have told so many things that I just made up. <laughs> and um, I am certain that there are people out there telling stories like what I said was fucking fact when I'm just eight and have a really dark imagination. <laughs> like, I've actually told my friends that came over for sleeping, like sleepover things, that there was a dead body in the walls and I showed them exactly where. And I'm like, look, you can even scratch the concrete off a little bit. Like, I was such a dark fucking kid. So you told people somebody was immured in your house? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I found an area of like patched concrete and the concrete was like, you could literally scratch I'm it away. I'm happy that I met you like when <laughs> I was older. <laughs> I know. Like I probably ruined so many childhoods, but I thought it was hilarious. But these stories, that's how they come about. There's assholes like me 
that are like, let me tell you this story about this hold dead on, body. Hold on, hold on. This is an amazing story Christy's telling us. You're going to actually get the real story behind it. Oh, there is a real story. There is a real story. It's not all assholes like me. I know, there right? There can't be a real story. Okay, fine. Okay, so all these stories we'll have do it. one thing in common. The dress. They say it's real. Magically preserved after more than a century. Now, to give you an idea of the detail work on this thing, here is a picture of the skirt. Oh. It looks very it lacy. Looks like a doily. Yeah, it looks like it kind of has a, a doily look. And, well, I mean, it was the, the time. And here is the uh, full getup. She's in her case. And um, she's wearing her dress. She's holding some flowers. Um, and there's also, if you look closely, there's a ring on one of her fingers. But it, I think it's harder to see in this picture. So this dress really seems to inspire people because they just can't believe how realistic it looks and i don't know which way my tablet is going well i'm, I'm all kinds of messed up here um uh, so now in the versions that my dad heard and relayed to me it was really her the tragic bride never to be in the glass case or a doll statue wearing her dress but the dress is still the real deal or maybe a copy that her father had made for the monument and she was buried in the original and, um, of course, the dress was the one she was supposed to get married in. It's all very Miss Havisham. So the real story, <laughs> the real story was of Grace Laverne Galloway. She was born in 1871, in October, aptly enough, to John and Sarah Galloway. She had one older brother, Fred, born the year prior, and a sister whose age I can't seem to find, now, this was a decently wealthy family. Her father was, uh, he did some work as a mason, but he was also an oil man at a time and a place when it was a damn good time and place to be an oil man. Uh, we're talking Titusville, PA, during the Pennsylvania oil rush. Right, right, right. So right, right. if there's a rush, you want to be there. Good times. Right? And Grace grew up in one of those families whose names show up on the society pages of the newspapers from time to time. You know, Pretty sure Galloway still does. Probably, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty that sure it sounds still. like rich people. It does. It has a it has a rich sound. So Grace was said to be generous, cheerful, and kind, and she also turned out to be an incredibly gifted singer. Uh, she sang for local events and such, uh, and also performed at the Chautauqua Institution, which in that region is sort of a hub for intellectual and artistic pursuits. If anybody, it actually was in the news fairly recently because that's where Sam and Rushdie was attacked. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was at the Chautauqua Institution. God damn it. Yeah. Which is a really wonderful place and venue. Um, but she, she would sing there. She sang Not opera. Not great security. Not apparently. <laughs> um, but she, uh, <laughs> she would sing at the YWCA for different performances. And, but her parents were very much strict about she could sing, but it couldn't be a career. It had, she was not allowed to make any money from it. Uh, this... From the Evening Journal, one of her singing events. Um, this is a, a YWCA note, or no? I think this might be YMCA, but I'm not sure. Um, YMCA, because it's young men, and this is the young men's meeting. Yeah, C. P. W. Nims, a commercial traveler of Boston, will address the young men's meeting Sunday afternoon at four o'clock. Miss Grace Galloway will add to the attractiveness of the young men's meeting Sunday afternoon by singing. So that was the kind of thing she did. And How her dare you make money doing it, though? <laughs> right? Don't take any money. Just do it. Just give it away for free, honey. That's the lesson we're teaching you here. 
so she went away uh, to learn some more, you know, singing in her 20s, some singing classes, including in New York City. Uh, it said that she was offered the opportunity to sing with the New York City Metropolitan Opera. But of course, as that would be a paid gig, her father forbade it. That is the most backwards thinking. I know. It's like you could have like not only prestige, but also like make money and, and support yourself. And he's like, no daughter of mine. You, you can't <laughs> accept money for that. What are so, you, a prostitute? He really, he really did love her, but it honestly was sort of, that was the thinking of the day. Um, actresses and, and opera singers and such were only like a step above a sex worker. Maybe two steps. Well, I mean, they still are depending on the type of movie. Yeah. Frankly. So she went also to Boston and took a singing course. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the oldest profession. They get paid more money than me. So it was after a singing course in Boston that things took a bad turn. I'm going to give you guys a moment. <laughs> she missed me. I, I just don't want to do the spike on the fucking... I will. You're I'll allowed spike to laugh. everything. It all evens out after I run it through the levelator. <laughs> oh, not with my voice, sweetie. <laughs> no. So um, she goes to this singing course in Boston, and it seems like it was there that she got that dread disease of the 19th century, tuberculosis. I was going to go with herpes. A.K.A. consumption. That's the dread disease of the 20th. Jesus. And no, then it's <laughs> What? <laughs> What did you say? That's not the dread disease. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> I think it's more like gonorrhea. Right. If you want okay. to talk about SPDs. Okay. Right, right. Let's Moving on. Moving on. Um, so in an attempt to get better, she went to a sanatorium in Asheville, North Carolina. Didn't really seem to work. About a year after coming down with tuberculosis, she had come back up north for a bit and was heading back to Asheville after visiting her family for a time. But she was on the train around Pittsburgh on November 2nd, 1898, when she died, just 27 years old. The family might have actually been living in Pittsburgh at the time, because there's an obituary in a Pittsburgh paper that gives a local address, so I'm not really sure. How the fuck sick do you have to be to die on a train? I mean, I, I get it. Times were different, but it's, Jesus Christ. It's possible she didn't die on the train, and it was just that she was somewhere close to taking her train journey. Or she got really yeah. sick on the train, and then, like, it's not like they had ambulances coming to get you. <laughs> like, somebody's sick on the train. Well, they just might die on the train. So anyhow, um, the minister at Grace's funeral wrote a sermon just for the occasion and titled it, he titled it, And They Shall Walk With Me in White. So. Oh, is that where we get the white lady thing? Well, I mean, that's, that, it seemed to inspire her father. That, mm. in addition mm. to mm. a statue he'd seen at a cemetery in Buffalo. And so he decided that he was going to use these inspirations to memorialize Grace. So first he found a local artist and he gave them the last picture taken of Grace. The artist made a clay model. That model, as well as the dress itself, which was said to be a graduation dress, not a wedding dress, was sent to Florence, Italy, where an artist then sculpted it in marble. Oh, great, you know. I mean, if you're going to have a statue... I'm curious why no one is sending a fucking marble sculpture of anyone I know to Venice. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, right? Well, it might be because it costs $2,000 or just over $70,000 today. Yes! That might have something to do with it. It has to be more than that, though. 
Yeah, probably nowadays, yeah. Not not just adjusted for inflation, like legitimately. Yes, absolutely. Now the details are so fine that it does kind of look lifelike. There's the lace of the hem that I mentioned, the ring, the flowers she's holding. And Grace's father and grandfather, coming from a family of masons, actually constructed the rest of the monument themselves. So the the stone, oh, like the, yeah, like the platform and right. the columns, to, like the pillars to surround her, and there's a roof above her, and uh, she's actually buried at the foot of the statue. She is not in the statue. Uh, this is beautiful, though. Yeah, it really is. So the glass came a couple years later. Uh, the statue started to take a beating from the rain, the wind, and the dirt. So they enclosed Grace in glass to protect her from the world. And so that is the story of Grace Galloway, the uh, lady in the glass. And I would like to thank my dad for telling me a sort of ghost story that actually turned into a poignant story about a father's love for his daughter. So there you go. (laughs) That is very sweet, actually. That is very sweet. But you know what? I can understand how people would make up like a crazy story about a monument like that. You know what I mean? It is very unique and eye-catching. And unusual. Yeah. Typically, we just get like a what, like a like a little gravestone, you two know, two by four maybe if we're lucky. Yeah, a little gravestone. I do so. have a picture on my phone, and the gravestone says, "Here lies Matthew, cut in half by a streetcar." Oh, jeez, I am not doing you this anymore. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, so that's legitimate. I have like mostly like that yeah. shit and butt plugs. That, on my that is our white lady stories, and uh, I'm just gonna breeze Start right past. Just start over because you're going to cut that straight out. Like, I'm not going to edit anything. You're nuts. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry. I literally do not have the energy to sit and listen for six hours. She so usually edits me out. No, I haven't part. edited. Just I, that last part where I'm I haven't talking. edited shit in months. Yes, yes, I know. Because I started doing my new part. process where I, I do. Um, oh, Joe shared that, huh? We, where we do the claps. Where we clap. Yeah, we clapped a few times. But, but yeah, I just go to those spots. I'm not going to clap every time you drop an F-bomb or talk about butt plugs. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's too many lot. claps. My hands are hurt. a lot of F-bombs. You know what? That's fair. That's Apologies fair. to my father. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, used, Dad. I'm used to Chrissy uh, editing out my filthy, <laughs> filthy words. I haven't done that in so long. I'm not going to call you dead, Chrissy's dad, but I also am sorry, Chrissy's dad. Mostly on my behalf, I think. (laughs) So he's okay with it as long as it's not me, I think. I think he's okay with it as long as it's not his little girl. I'm your horrible friend. (laughs) So I'll be that. I have a recipe, and since we went to Altoona for one of our ghost stories. Do you have fried onions? Because if you do, I might do horrible things to my underwear. I'll tune up, and she keeps on going. She keeps on doing it. She keeps on doing it. She's like, I'm sorry. Allow me to do it again. Uh, I'll tune a pizza. Ah. <laughs> it blew up on the internet last year. Some people in Altoona don't even know about it, so whether this is an actual, like, it's, common it's, regional thing. It's not thing, a blooming onion. I'm, I'm no, it's fine. not. Um, but it's, it uh, has been around for a while. It, may, it makes me, like, require... <laughs> Hold on, just stop. Like you can talk about this just after Christie's done. Okay, <laughs> it about it. Made famous by the Altoona just... Hotel, established in 1947. The, now, pizza itself starts showing up in their ads in the newspapers in the early 50s, which is actually when pizza in general, like really, it's only been around in, in America as a, a the kind of treat that we think of it as, and this wonderful, you know, fast food type thing for like 70 years ish. Um, and, and what are 70 years it's been? So, right? 
And it's likely that it wasn't true Altoona style until the 60s or 70s. But in this is the ingredients in order from bottom to top. We have pizza dough, tomato sauce, a slice of green bell pepper. No. A slice of salami. No. And if you're doing it the original way, save your nose. You're going to need them. Um, if you're doing it the original way, you slather some Velveeta on that. No. Or um, That's the only one I'm... I agree about it, yeah, but I'll still do it. The okay. modern method is slices of American cheese. Ugh. Oh, no! <laughs> so good! So good! It and then lights you, on fire like a candle. Fuck that shit up. You bake it. I'm sorry, Chrissy's dead. <laughs> yeah. But I am totally gonna fucking light it up. <laughs> then you bake it and you cut it into squares, you know, like. No, I want to Elementary school cafeteria style. No, no, no. I'm gonna make squares it a triangle, suck. but. Yeah, no, no, I'll eat all those things on a You guys will eat square pizza when it comes from Marlene's. I will eat ass if it comes from Marlene's. Let's be honest. Because that's some good shit. But, you know, it's not like it's a secret because you can hear it every week that we record. Amber actually behaves herself when nobody else is around, when it's just me. Only sometimes. But I haven't been drinking. True, true. You've got a beer there, yeah. Because yeah. the more I drink, the more awful things fly out of my mouth. <laughs> that is true. All right. Um, over on the Patreon, we had a lot of fun recording some episodes. Amber uh, told me about a haunted property. Oh, yeah. I forgot what I told you about. <laughs> and I told Amber about the Red Barn Murders. And I'm not going to spoil it, and don't you either, Amber, but we'll tell Beast after we record, had the best British pub name we've ever come across. Absolutely. And also, Christy found the uh, the Zillow listing for my haunted property, and if you would like to see the world's ugliest wallpaper, <laughs> it is in the guest bathroom. Yes. I'm pretty sure I want that wallpaper. I knew you would. I knew you would. So, yes, over on the Patreon, uh, where it's just five bucks a month for your bonus episodes, and we tell each other tales that the other hasn't heard. We have so much fun doing that. And, yeah, you can come to patreon.com slash oldtimeycrimey. If it helps, I'll send you pictures of my butt. Somehow, <laughs> she thinks that'll help. Okay. Um, and so we have some patron shout-outs for new ones today. <laughs> now I have to sing these. Jeez. And try not to laugh. All right, so welcome to the Patreon, Lindsay Wittemon and Artistic Witch. I didn't like that, but it, um. but Artistic Witch is such a great name to join the Patreon in October. Artistic <laughs> Witch! There we go. That was very special, Amber. <laughs> is that singing? No. No, no. That's more like shouting. So that's okay. <laughs> All right. Look at my giant spike. <laughs> So, um, this weekend we are having a little, <laughs> uh, the most half-assed Halloween party I've ever had because I can't walk, so it's really hard for me to do literally anything. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna, and also like probably watch some spooky movies this weekend. Are you guys doing anything spooky for Halloween aside from, I know Amber or Beast, you're coming to our. Yeah, I'm going to come to the party that you're having. I'm going to throw then, I think on that Monday, which is actually Halloween, I'm going to go up to Westmont and I'm going to hand out candy. I think I might paint my face like a pumpkin. Nice. I like it. Maybe. That's awesome. <laughs> Maybe. 
I'm going to make a cannon that shoots the candy at the children because all I can think about is cannons. <laughs> it's like, there's got to be a way we can mix candy and cannon. I, you know, I'm too tired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> make the cannon shoot candy at the children. In a hilarious. In a portmanteau. On, considering that Amber's doing sex things with a cannon <laughs> oh, candy goes fair. for children, perhaps we should not. Let's not combine never yeah. that. Yeah, yeah let's not combine Two, two separate ideas. So. No, I, I am I am walking around with my cannonball stroking it lovely while the cannon itself just shoots candy. <laughs> there we go. There's okay, the If she separates them, it Separation works. of church and state. <laughs> I think I have to go home because you are terrified. <laughs> You're welcome. Then um, I take the kids trick-or-treating, which will be uh, lovely, I'm sure. It, it'll be great. It'll be great, yeah. Okay, so that is our show for this week. That is about also the limit of me sitting in this chair, even with my ice pack. I know I've been a little whiny about this, but I feel like I deserve it because I went through all that surgery and then eight weeks of trying to get better, and then all of a sudden I'm ten times worse. <laughs> I feel like I've earned the right to bitch. <laughs> you can bitch. No, I'm gonna, you can bitch and drink and, and do many other things that are frowned upon. Yeah. So, all right. Um, thank cannons. you for listening to our spooky weed episode. Ooh. And we will uh, see you on the other side. Oh, 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 oh. That was like very count. One. Two. Oh, 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 oh. Wait, no, it's up. Uh. Two. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. Three. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. Oh. One of my favorite things in the world is the count censored. That's a yeah. great YouTube video, yes. All right, so bye. Bye. Sources? Oh, I don't fucking know. Okay, my sources are <laughs> my dad, uh, Sean Kirst in the Buffalo News, Sam Jenko on um, Fenton History Center, Find a Grave, Wikipedia, Moon Mausoleum, Pennsylvania Mountains of Attractions, Joe Murgo on WTAJ, and Jared Frederick on History Matters. Uh, my sources for this, I had to find my show notes or wikipedia.org, psican.org, I don't know what that stands for, I knew last week, mainwriter.happyones.com by Juliana, balticrun.com by Alicia, nobody has their last names, I don't know why, storiesfirst.org, authenticvacations.com, maltatoday.com by Paul Cox, opinion.net by Lingoy Alcuaz, anomalien.com, there you go, that's what it says, Anderson Air Force Base mill by Joyce Martrat. It's a nice day for a white wedding. Laugh, I need bigger spikes. <laughs> 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 <laughs>